0: listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. This is a podcast in which we delve every week into something that is happening around the world. International politics, court cases, issues in different countries. We go there. Well, I'm not the person that knows the background of this stuff. This man is Dr. Keith Souter. He knows everything. He's like a walking encyclopedia of international issues. It's brilliant. Um, And he's really good at breaking down, making it very easy to understand. My name is Kate Mack. We've worked together for many years now in television and this podcast as well. This week, we're going to talk about uh, the issues facing international Indigenous populations. So here in Australia, we have our own issues with Aboriginal people. Uh, NAIDOC Week is coming up. So we thought we'd look at other countries around the world and see what the issues are and how the governments are dealing with them, as well as have a look at our own people as well in Australia and how we're dealing with these issues. Keith, this is something that's actually very, very close to your heart, first and foremost.
1: Yes, I've been involved with the debate over Australian Indigenous peoples. In fact, somebody recently jogged my memory that I gave my first talk on this subject in 1972, almost half a century ago, at Oxford, what? You don't look that old, Keith. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I gave the talk. I've, thankfully, there are no records of what I had to say because in the last half century, things have changed so much about Indigenous people. Even the, the basic question, how long have the, the Indigenous people been, say, in Australia? When I arrived here in 1973, um, the view was that they'd been here for about 3,000 years, 4,000 years. The view now is that they arrived around 60,000 years ago. The problem is that we know of people leaving Africa 70,000 years ago, so they can't arrive in Australia before they leave Africa. It's interesting that the oldest continuous civilization are indigenous people here in Australia. And as I say, it runs back 60,000, maybe even longer than that. So they're very, very important in Australian history, but very neglected. Now, one of the things that I have seen in the time that I've been in Australia is just how much attention now they are receiving. From my own point of view, I treated the Indigenous issue as a human rights issue. I now realize that, in fact, it should be treated from the point of view of the way in which they were the world's first environmentalists they made a success of living on this continent for 60,000 years and they they survived they were probably healthier than the people who arrived in 1788 including the officers on board those ships so what had happened in the indigenous society is that they had bred out all the people who had eyesight problems so i wouldn't i've got eyesight problems so i'm wearing glasses so i would be one of those who didn't last the 60,000 years, my genetic strain would have gone, I would have trod on a snake or something, and you wouldn't have lasted very long because with your pale skin and reddish hair...
0: Fried to a uh,
1: Fried, <laughs> exactly, skin cancer. So what has happened is that over the millennia, the people who did survive were some of the toughest and healthiest people around in 1788 when the British arrived down at um, Sydney Harbour and Botany Bay. So really quite amazing um, that they have managed to survive for so long. Now, what I thought we would, so as you've said, next week is the National Aboriginal and Islanders Day Observance Committee, (NADOC), uh, which began back in eight, 1938, which is the 150th anniversary of uh, the British arriving, and they called for a day of mourning, in other words, a day of sorrow because of the amount of change that occurred I thought what we might do is just to look at the worldwide issue of Indigenous people. So um, the World Bank defines Indigenous people as a distinct social and cultural group that share collective ancestral ties to the lands and natural resources where they live, occupy, or from which they have been displaced. The land and natural resources on which they depend are closely linked to their identities cultures, livelihoods, as well as their physical and spiritual well-being. Now, in terms of the sheer numbers, the World Bank says there's somewhere between 370 million and 500 million, half a billion people uh, in over 90 countries. Um, So it's very interesting. Uh, uh, Taiwan, for example, has had to recognise that it's got indigenous people. And so you, it's it's interesting. There are only 200 countries in the world, so half of them have Indigenous peoples. Now, in Australia's case, and even better in New Zealand, they are really now quite prominent in society. They're not necessarily running the country, but at least we know about them. But uh, the Ainu, for example, still remain neglected uh, because societies in Asia um, are just hesitant about recognising them or giving them due recognition. So... Australia and New Zealand have got real problems, but at least we recognise that we do have real problems. For example, one of the questions I set my Boston University students, who has the higher rate of imprisonment? Blacks in the United States or Indigenous people? And it's Indigenous people in Australia. Oh, you're joking. In terms of the rate to population. Yeah. And a lot of them in Australia are imprisoned for things like driving offences. Because they, they grow up in isolated areas. They don't learn to drive. They drive into the city and the cops collect them. And, and, this, and, is and uh,
0: the, this is why, sorry, Keith, this is why the judicial system comes under fire for having um, jailed Aboriginal people in Australia yeah. because it's for things like that.
1: Yeah, it might generally minor offences, yeah. We whites commit murder <laughs> or white-collar crime and quite often get away with it. If it's white-collar crime, And look at some of the crooks that are running around in the big cities... Uh, but these poor people, they, they go to jail for just stealing a few sweets in the local confectionery store. Yeah, so it's, it is a, a real tragedy. So as I say, at least in Australia, we're very slowly getting around to recognising their importance, and they are beginning to to bounce back. It's very interesting. The World Bank doesn't have their birth growth rate, but it is interesting that at a time generally of declining populations – Indigenous people are bouncing back. So the population number is actually um, beginning to increase. The problem is that they, as I say, they're extremely poor people and they tend, generally have a, uh, a life expectancy 20 years lower than the life expectancy of non-Indigenous people within their own society. So it, it is a real problem from that point of view. And, of course, the other thing also is just all the scandals that are coming out. The media are now beginning to take an interest in all of this. It's something which we looked at a few weeks ago called the Overton Window, which relates to the salience of an issue. So there there are some big issues that just don't get coverage in the media. And then the Overton Window changes. Overton was a political scientist. The Overton Window changes, and then suddenly you're getting more attention being given to them. And that's what we're beginning to see now Worldwide.
0: You're listening to Global Truths with Dr Keith Suda. We're talking about international Indigenous issues today in light of NAIDOC Week coming up. We're also talking about our own Indigenous issues here in Australia. Keith, you know, at the moment we look at something like New Zealand, for example, and on the surface we think they've got less problems because they, they do things like the haka in, yeah. the, in, in the footy and... That's a big one for us because that's complete recognition and and putting that the culture of their Indigenous people front and centre and celebrating it. We don't do anything like that in Australia.
1: Well, I think we're beginning to change a bit. One of them is the recognition of Aboriginal land and the original owners of the land on which we meet. Um, I notice that's now much more standard. There are some Conservative politicians in this country who I've been with and they've never said that. But many now begin, particularly if they're on the left or if they're in the public service, they begin with a recognition of the traditional owners.
0: Uh, uh, Working in the public service, I can assure you that is the case. Every (laughs) meeting has a welcome to country. Exactly.
1: So, you know, that's a a small step, but it's it's a step in the right direction. They've lost their country, but at least we're recognising who the original owners were. It's interesting that according to the World Bank Report, Indigenous people own, occupy, or use a quarter of the world's surface. And when you get outside of Sydney or Melbourne, there are huge areas over which, thanks to land rights decisions, they now can claim ownership. So remember they had 100% before 1788. Um, But it is interesting that they're now beginning to increase their ownership uh, of the land. The other thing, of course, which is important, is that we are also now going back to giving Aboriginal names to some of these places, like Ayers Rock. Mm. So that's uh, tending to lose its English version, and we're going to use the Aboriginal version of the name for that. They also safeguard 80% of the world's remaining biodiversity. Now, the biodiversity is is a separate issue we we need to look at at some point for global truths because it is a huge issue. And if we lose biodiversity, we lose life on Earth. (laughs) David Attenborough will tell you that. If the bees go, we're screwed. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) it, exactly it. So for me, it's fascinating to see how these things do change. Um, And, of course, as I say, the Overton window has moved and we now find the media with more interest in topics. For example, uh, in Canada, they had come up with an idea similar to Australian uh, governments of taking children away and separately educating them. The view was, see, you've got three choices. One is you can exterminate Indigenous people, and we certainly did try that. You know, the, the last great massacre in Australia was less than 90 years ago. So it's within the living memory of some people, in theory, the Coniston Massacre in the Northern Territory. So one way is you try to exterminate them all. The second way is that you try to absorb them into Western society. So you steal them from their parents and put them into educational institutions and perhaps um, eventually with white families. So in Australia, they were called the Stolen Children. I had a bit of time in Canada and was supervising the research of a young postgraduate where we were looking at the way in which Canada and Australia were so similar in terms of stealing the children. Now, in the last few weeks, we're coming across the bodies, some of the bodies of the children that were stolen, and they run into the hundreds.
0: Oh, I saw that story. That yeah. was appalling. appalling. And they were buried. The bodies had been buried underneath the school,
1: wasn't yeah. it, on site? Yeah, they've been hidden. Yeah. So that—that's that, the second option. You can try to educate them. That means you take them away from their parents. It's an old idea. Plato, the Greek philosopher, said, "Look, if you want to try to improve the quality of citizens, take." children away from their families and raise them in a collective society, and that way you can start to re-educate them afresh. If you leave them with their parents, they'll pick up all the bad habits from the parents, so you take them from the parents. So the, the people who did this in Australia or Canada and other societies would claim that we, we were operating according to Plato's thinking. So we've got the Greek philosopher on our side, but, of course, what happened is is that the children who were confiscated in Australia and Canada and elsewhere, were subject to all sorts of abuse and in over the years have committed suicide. It's a really, for many of them, it's a very tragic story. And
0: also suffering the trauma of being separated from parents, even yeah. if they're taking as little kids. It's yeah. just that sense of who you
1: are. And so the third option is basically you just give people their own territory and say, right, that's it, that's yours. Uh, the Canadian government did that almost 20 years ago with uh, territory for the Inuit, wrongly called Eskimo. So the Inuit lived right up at the North Pole and a whole slab of Canada has just been given to them. They run their own affairs. And so that is a third option. So extermination, assimilation or self-determination. They are the three options. And I think in Australia we're, we're moving ourselves now towards that third option, not completely as radically as the Canadians have done, but certainly we give them more say in how their affairs should be run. And, of course, if we were to get up a separate chamber in the Parliament, we would get the views of Indigenous people going straight through into Parliament. That, of course, has been opposed by the politicians. So there, there are, I think for me to sum up, what we're looking at is a recovery of people who were the original inhabitants of many countries, of all countries, they, there is a recovery underway. Uh, they're bouncing back. Admittedly, they don't have so much as good life expectancy at the moment, but they are bouncing back. And what we'll be doing in Australia for NAIDOC Week, looking after the, uh, the Australian context, is something which in one way or another is going on in so many other societies around the world. So the land rights struggle that we see here is part of one that's going on in Canada, the United States, et cetera. And so, you know, we are part of this global trend. We shouldn't just look at NAIDOC week, next week, as being simply an Australian event. It is obviously in referring to Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders, but it's part of a global trend of giving far more recognition to the original inhabitants of planet Earth And they were the people who developed the manual for looking after the environment. We threw the manual away. And look at the mess that we're in. (laughs) They were here for 60,000 years and did well. We've been here for 200. Look what a mess we're in.
0: The arrogance of white people.
1: Absolutely.
0: Dr Keith, as always, enlightening. Thank you. Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.